Happy Tuesday, beautiful people. I think it's going to be another lovely day in the Elm. If you tuned in to uh, around nine o'clock, you got me, Babs Rose Ivy. Welcome to Love Babs Love Talk. Uh, I think Harry's back, but if he's not, I know Nora's holding it down. How's everybody doing? Listen, so yesterday I had to put up on my Facebook page yet again, people stay coming for me. You know, when I go comment on people's posts or whatever, and they don't know me. So they go Google me and then they find out all the things, right? And then they want to DM me their, their, how dare you, blah, 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 blah stuff. You know, who do you think you are stuff? And, you know, blah, blah, blah. You know, it's all that kind of nonsense. And, you know, oftentimes, most times I just let it go over. Cause I was like, F these people, they don't know me. <laughs> but every now and again, I get, I get a, uh, I'll get a DM from somebody and, and I keep my stuff very, very tight. And I don't, I don't really read a whole lot of the foolishness that comes at me. I usually just let it go. But this one, I just couldn't let go because it just got on my nerves and I just had time. So I had to just remind, and since people follow me, I don't, I don't accept a lot of friends so people can follow you. You know, they could get some of your stuff, you know, and uh, a couple of things. So uh, I guess <laughs> people feel some kind of way about me trying to go to law school. Now, I, I, don't, I don't know why they would feel some kind of way. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't understand people's feelings about this. I, re- I really do not. But, you know, who do I think I am kind of stuff. And then they feel some kind of way. Um, um, and then I get these these messages, you know, every time I pull something about Unboy from Joy, uh, I get these hotep messages about um, why, why are you being a traitor to your people? Why, <laughs> why, why are you, um, why are you seeing white men and this other kind of stuff? So I was like, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'll let that go too. And then um, people have some feelings about the Freed Woman Fund. You know, first it was, why are you just making it fun for black women? Why can't it be for all women? So that was number one. Number two it was, um, you know, if, if if they didn't commit these crimes, they wouldn't be needing this kind of help. That's number two. Uh, number three, um, uh, 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 I forgot what the third one was. But but so it's all these different things that people come at me with rolled up into one thing, you know. They they mad because I'm trying to go to law school. They mad because I'm still interested in divinity school. They mad because I started a, a a freed woman fund. They mad because the unboyfriend joy. They mad. <laughs> they mad because I went to jail. I went to prison. They mad because you know I put up there that I you know when my house foreclosed. It's not a secret. It's public information. It's public. <laughs> I'm not trying to hide it. I'm not like, oh, you know, whatever, whatever. No, the house got foreclosed on. And I let it, right? Like, I let it. I could have kept fighting because I did fight for a very long time. Like, I fought for the house for a long time. And then I just, and I, and I, all I wanted to do was grow my children up in it. But that's neither here nor there. So they mad about that. They mad about, <laughs> I, I just had a whole laundry list of reasons why people just take issue with me. I don't even, I don't, I don't, I don't understand it. I don't understand how people can be so invested and involved in what I do, where I go, who I see and what I do. It's just, uh, it's, it's just so interesting to me that people 
get in their feelings about stuff that has nothing to do with them or their lives. They just don't want to see me doing it. And I I guess this is what celebrity feels like. I'm no celebrity. Like, I'm just a little fish in a little pond in my part of the sea. (laughs) They... I, I remember when I started doing this show, when I was doing the show, when the show went to every day and people were like, who is she to do that? And why is she people who know now this is the killer. This is people who know me, who I've been friends, kind of friends with. Right. And they were just like, and they couldn't contain their displeasure. You ever talk to people and they can't wish you well, they just can't do it. And when they do wish you well, it's like they got marbles in their mouth. So, so when, so when they found out I was doing this show every day, that was one thing. And then when the show went to two hours and people just, some people just was not, they just couldn't understand. It It was like, who, who do I think I am? And blah, blah, blah. And then people would say stuff like, you're not Oprah, you're not this. And I'm like, damn, can't I just be B-A-B-Z? Can I just, can I just live? (laughs) So, so. I, you know, I just had had enough people criticizing me about the inner city. Oh, y'all don't do investigative journalism. I was like, N- we never did investigative journalism. We never, we never did that. Oh, Paul Bass owns the inner city. Why don't you just cop to that? And I'm just like, do y'all know John Thomas? I know John Thomas ain't on the scene, but you can find him on any good golf course in this country. <laughs> He's so good at golf. He's an amateur golf golfer, but he's so good at golf that he really could be a pro. But he, that's his thing. So if you're looking for him, that's where you'll find him. If you really want to have conversation, you know, like I tried to get him to come on the show. I said, well, you know, John, come and talk about the paper. He's like, Babs, who knows, who knows more about this paper than you? <laughs> I was like, John, that's not the point. He's like, no, I'm not coming out. <laughs> I was like, okay. People take issue with me with that. People, people, uh, oh my God, here's my other favorite one. They'll see me out eating like chicken or steak or something. I thought, I thought she was vegan. I was like, damn, <laughs> I'm vegan-ish. You know why I'm vegan-ish? Because I have a severe life-threatening dairy allergy. Milk proteins, butter, cheese, whey, casein, lactic acid from cows, uh, uh, that kind of thing. So, so when you see me eating um, plant alternative stuff it's because I cannot eat uh, those real things right but people run up on me and just start policing me <laughs> and then I gotta go through this I don't have to go through this whole thing but I do because sometimes you have to educate people to like shut up like what you assuming is wrong I'm not pretending to be vegan I'm not pretending to be anything this, I just can't eat cheese, butter, milk, whey, casein, caseinate, and lactic acid. And people stay running up on me about that. And then people, people will say to me, um, people, uh, this is the other one. Uh, you're such a pretty woman. If you lost a little weight, <laughs> I'll be what, prettier? <laughs> I'm already pretty. I'm already sexy. Sexy is not how I look. Sexy is already in my mind. I carry myself sexy. What are you talking about? I don't, please stop. Just stay in your own lane. 
stop concerning yourself with me. I, I don't understand this. I don't understand it. I don't understand it. I don't, none of, none of, none of the things that I do has any effect on anybody's life, except the people in my circle, except the people in my circle. Right. I mean, cause you know, when we go out to dinner, we, they, my friends always consider w- what I can eat. They're always checking for me. They always got my back around food because they know how serious it is for me. And they've seen me very, very sick. My kids always have my back about food because they've taken care of me when I've been very, very sick. So that's a real thing, but that doesn't affect the masses. So I had to, so yesterday I went, I just went to Facebook and I was like, let me remind mofos, let me remind them that you don't have to DM me articles about me going to prison. I have seen all of them. I have no shame about this anymore. You do not have to remind me I lost my home to foreclosure. I'm good. I have a whole ass porch now. And if you follow me, you see I'm living a very good life, a very good porch life. You don't have to DM me weight loss stuff. I'm aware that I am fat and I'm good and fabulous. You don't have to concern yourself with the men I see. I'm for any man that respects me, cherishes me, and honors me and guards my heart. Black, Latino, Asian, white, whatever. Get you some unboyfriend joy. Hashtag. Your criticism of the inner city news is of no consequence to me. I'm a, I am clear about its mission. We are 33 years strong. I don't care if you don't think I deserve to be on radio every day, Monday through Friday, 9 to 11. Talking my brand of ish. I'm good at this and I love it. (laughs) Do you understand? I love it. Later for you, if you think I'm wasting my time trying to go to law school and divinity school, baby, I'm free. Amen. 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 I don't care if you don't see the value in the Freed Woman Fund. It's endowed. Yes, indeed. It's an endowed fund. I am a philanthropist. (laughs) Asking me who I think I am, it's not a good use of your time. It really isn't. It really is not a good use of your time. I know who I am, clearly, firmly. I know who I am. And quit running up on me about being veganish when you see me out enjoying the steak. Bitches, live your lives. I have a severe life-threatening dairy allergy, and so I eat the way that I eat. And that's it. So I put that up there, and people was cheering me on. I just, I just had enough. People slide into my, into my, into my DMs with this foolishness. Stop it! <laughs> you, you're not giving me no news. <laughs> there's, there's nothing about me that I don't know. <laughs> that's really the prevailing point there's nothing about me that i do not know so thank y'all for the support and to the haters i you know y'all get get it together people and i think for the haters they think that they see something that all my friends don't see somehow or other i'm 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 fake (laughs) and they and they're gonna be the ones to call out my fakeness i'm like are you kidding me? <laughs> That's not a good use of your time at all. Because 
I'm damn sure not spending that time on you. But I thought I would put that up there, you know, because periodically I got to do that. Periodically, I got to let people know. Um, I got to let people know that um, that's what's happening. And uh, I just had to do it. And and people are often surprised because I don't talk about it too much. I just I just usually let it go. Because I was like, you know, people are stupid. But this last night I had time, so I went there. And and whoever whoever has been and it's been a bunch of people sending me stuff a bunch a bunch, but now that they now that they know now now that they've seen that I responded very publicly I didn't call them out because I don't want to give them any attention I don't want to give them any attention and I damn sure don't want to give them a platform so that's it so I just I just I just don't say who they are but I might. <laughs> I might, I might, damn it, I might, might. But for the most part, I'm good. I am good. Tonight is Pecha Kucha. If you don't know what Pecha Kucha is, come tonight to the um, East Rock Brewing. Um, they're kicking off. Um, it's it's ladies' night because all nothing but ladies um, signed up to to uh, tell the story. And it's a Japanese way of telling a story. You have you have 20 slides, and you have 20 seconds a slide. Um, to tell a story, anything you want. You can do anything you want. It, there's no rhyme or reason. There's no right. There's no wrong. I've done it twice. First time I did it, it was about my own personal growth. You know, wigs and how I found myself, kind of. 20 slides, 20 seconds. The second time I did it, uh, I did it for during the Arts and Ideas Festival. It was a wonderful turnout, wonderful group of people. And I did it and I talked about how the porch was made, how, how the porch became its own cultural, cultural hub. And, uh, and so you just stand up there. I actually, this is how I approach. It. I stand up there and I talk, the slides are behind me. I don't even, you know, I don't even, I don't stress it. People get all stressed up, stressed out about this. Oh, I don't know if I'll be able to keep up with this. No, don't keep up with the slides. Just tell the story. If you're rooted in a story, the slides will match. Don't worry about it. You put the slides together. Nobody else picks the slides. So pick your own slides. And then 20 seconds. It's a wonderful way to tell a story. And I've seen some great, great, great storytellers, you know, like Ami, Ami uh, Ziner. She did a wonderful thing on trees. And, you know, she's got a very slow, deliberate style. And it was just beautiful. I just loved it. Um, one, of the, one of the young girls who I used to teach Sunday school in church, she did a whole thing on the process of music and how she got learned, how she um, teaches music and all of that. Beautiful. I mean, with so many wonderful uh, stories that were told. Some of them are funny. Some of them are quite poignant. So, so tonight there's a good lineup. Miss Tina, Julia. Um, there's a bunch of bunch of women that I know who are going to be up on that stage telling their story. It's going to be great. It's going to be at East Rock Brewery over on Nickel Street. So you know, a couple of beers, some storytelling. Uh, it's wonderful. I love it. So I'm the MC because um, Matt, um, uh, Joanne Wilcox's husband, Matt, Alderman Matt, can't um, can't uh, uh, do it tonight, or he's going to be late. So I'm I'm going to be uh, his his side piece tonight. <laughs> I'm going to step in. I'm going to step in and handle the crowd. <laughs> so. Uh, I'm I'm very excited. So we'll see how this goes. We'll we'll see how this goes. And uh, so come if you if you if you want to hear some fine story um, storytelling. The regicides are playing tonight at nine o'clock. 
you know, they got that cool little in the cut theatrical space over there off of uh, Blake. So uh, Fitch, Fitch, Blake over in that area. Uh, they got a cool space. Just follow the lights. So if you want to hang out, catch them. At, I think they're going at nine o'clock. So uh, go check them out. It'll be, it'll be cool. Uh, tonight, though, Pecha Coochie is like six, seven o'clock, something like that. So uh, go, go see it. I think you, I think you'll, 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 you'll dig it. And, and, and they'll do it again. Um, Joanne Wilcox is the ringleader, um, her and her, uh, her husband, Matt. And uh, I'm sure they'll be doing this all over the place again this year. So, you know, sign up so you can do it. It's a wonderful experience. And uh, it's a great way to tell a story, I think. And, and it's by your own hand, by your own design. So, um, and it goes by really quick. <laughs> it, goes, it goes by very, 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 very fast. So, um, so, yeah. So, go. That's, that's where I'm going to be tonight. So, come and hang out. Hey, Harry, welcome back. Hey, Bubs. How are you? You look tan. <laughs> Pretty good. Um, I, I, you think I, I was in the sun a few days. Uh, you look a little tan. You look a little tan. You look a little browner. You, uh, you get, get stopped at the border. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I just want to say, who who are you to MC anything? I, know. <laughs> <laughs> I knew Harry would come up with some mess. So. Now they, now they gonna think he wanted in. <laughs> oh well, you know that that's never. Um, every everything I say takes different a different connotation to certain people, right? Because it's like, God. if you're gonna go by that, how how do you Babsing? How do you and Babs get along? <laughs> get along? I mean, I don't know. I don't know. If that's a secret. Uh, oh god that is too funny harry you are silly <laughs> but i can't believe oh, the, the nerve i know harry. i know i can't believe it either <laughs> i'm i'm just as shocked as you are <laughs> just as shocked as you are harry like oh really that's what we're doing so anyway so how was the trip so well the it was wonderful. I, I, well, the first two days, it was the the remnant of the storm left over. Oh, so, okay. So was it raining? It was raining. Not not bad. Um, very cold and cloudy. I felt like I was in Connecticut. Oh, okay. But for the first two days, but then Tuesday hit and it was wonderful. Okay, then it got better. Got better. Yeah, it got a lot better. I saw the picture of you and Karen. You posted on. I saw it on Instagram. I was like, "This is a cute picture." Uh, the thirty-five years. Yes. Thirty-five years married. Ooh, y'all as old as the inner city. It's it's an accomplishment. Um. Accomplishing another thirty-five will be something, you know. Not not because you know we won't be together, but whether both of us will be around by that time. Yeah, well, the, the way the way these Russians getting down, Harry, we ain't none of us gonna be around. 
what I saw. I mean, uh, <coughs> see, the only thing the Russians have, and I was explaining this to Karen um, this morning, like, listen, the, I, I was listening to a general this morning talking about the fight in the Ukrainians and all of this stuff. That's good, but what what the Russians have is bombs. Yeah. Right? So at, at any point, they could choose to bomb Ukraine out of existence if they decided to. So I just think um, Putin is... He he's he's very sensitive, right? So he reads these stories how he's losing, and he goes, "Oh, oh, I'm losing. Okay, let me just show you what I could do if I decided to do it." Yeah. Um. So I don't know how this this thing and this this no. I've been begging for an off ramp for a while, but there's no off ramp. I don't think. Harry, I I've given up off ramp. Yeah. Months ago. <laughs> So, uh, you know, it is what it is. It is what it is. But, you know, the scary part is um, Biden the other day talked about Armageddon. I'm like, ooh, you don't use that word. <laughs> don't use that word. That scares a I, lot of people. I, I, you know what? You know what scares me, Harry? And I've been thinking about this. You heard me talk about this. It's not going to be, you know what's going to do us in? Trying to get out of places. That's what's going to do us in. The traffic jam that it'll take for us to evacuate. We can't even evacuate well. Like, we can't even evacuate well, Harry, when we're told to evacuate. Do you know what I mean? Like, we can't even do that. Yeah, I mean. I don't know. I don't know how we would survive anything. <laughs> we well, can't even get right. out the way. You ha- well, right. You So you had about 40% of everybody not do any, you know, fight against <laughs> everything COVID. So. <laughs> So how does, you know, it's not going to end well, <laughs> no matter how you slice it. It's not, Harry. And I, you know what? I, I've been thinking about this a lot. Every time we have these conversations, I always think, I know people always think of the bigger thing, right? Like the big, the biggest possible thing, but it's not that that's going to do us in. It is the small things that we take for granted that's going to do us in. People not being prepared, people not following direction, people not understanding. Do you know what I mean? Like it's gonna be that it's it's gonna be that that's gonna do us in. And I'm not even I'm not a pessimist. I'm not. No, well, you know, I, I spoke with people this week and after I came home that, you know, called me to welcome me back, asked me how the vacation was, and I had this conversation. They they started talking about survival and stuff and i was like what got you so scared and i didn't even let's tell you the truth i didn't know anything about news i learned that biden said armageddon this weekend right so i was like oh that that word and and it's the you know people are religious a lot of people were raised with armageddon being the end of the world and you know so it's a terrifying thing and i and and i was listening to them tell me how they're thinking of going to survivalist camp and stuff. And I'm like, wow. <laughs> no, just go to the FEMA website. Just download the paper. I'm and like, just get everything on the list. Well, I encourage them this way. Oh, I, they can teach me. They can teach me because I ain't going. 
I ain't going to no camp. I'm too old for that. (laughs) (laughs) But you go and let me know what I need. I I think there is something to to be said, Harry, for for knowing how to no, yeah. Identify plants and tying knots and, you know, purifying water. Like, that stuff you learn in the Girl Scouts, Boy Scouts kind of stuff. But you'd be surprised how many people don't have survival skills. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, and and um, everybody's thinking nuclear or, but it could happen at any point. Like, uh, sunburst could knock out all of our electricity at any point. It's like, we're the luckiest people in this universe, right? Because the sun spits out all of this radiation all the time. And yeah. it never spits out a, a large enough that would destroy us because it could destroy us. Or it could knock out all, all our electricity. I mean, ask the dinosaurs. I mean, you know what I mean? Like, oh, you can't I mean, ask you them. You can't right? really ask them. But... That's why. So... So it can happen at any point. And I was thinking, too, after having this conversation, I was thinking, I'm going to take an old iPad and an old phone and everything, because I have a lot of information, but it's all stored on digital devices, right? If the electricity goes or, every, you know, my iPad's going to be a brick, right? It's always going to be a paperweight. <laughs> so I was thinking, I'm going to take all this old stuff and put it in a, a metal box, uh, a, basically a Faraday cage, which blocks against all electro, electromagnetic pulses and all of that stuff. This way, you at least have something at your fingertips, you know, so I could go, oh, because I, I have the plants. You were talking about the book of recognizing plants, edible <laughs> plants. I have it, but it's on my, on my Kindle. <laughs> it's not gonna do me any good. If it's not gonna do that, no good. So I, I'm download. I'm gonna download everything <coughs> into an iPad and just and, have it, and just have it protected in the basement. So if I need it, I, I honestly, Harry, and I'm I'm no conspiracy theorist. I'm not any of that. But I'm telling you, I have been feeling this sense of um foreboding about how we how we move people around in this country, how people won't be able to get out. And I don't know, I don't understand what get out means and where would we go? Like, where's the to go to place? I mean, for us, it would be towards Canada. Yeah. That's where it would be. Um, For people in different parts of America, depending on how, I mean, it's going to be Mexico, right? We're going to be flooding. We're going to be the refugees if something happens here. Yeah. Um, yeah, so and and hopefully they don't treat us like we treat some people. Uh, yeah. <laughs> hopefully they let us in. No, but but we we we'd be really real <laughs> war stricken refugees, so you figure they let us in. I I, I think about this a, quite a, quite a bit, well, Harry. Well, you know I, that I do. I think about know, it quite a bit. You know that they say history rhymes, right? People say history repeats itself, but it doesn't repeat itself. It rhymes, right? It's impossible for something to repeat itself, but something very similar happens that happened in the past because we don't learn 
from our past. Right. So, but did you, you saw, I, I think I played it when New York came out with their public service announcement on the nuclear war. Oh yeah. That freaked everybody. Yeah. It was like, that's, that scared everybody. And yeah. the, la- the lady said, the nuclear um, bomb has hit. Don't ask me why or when. And people were like, and and conspiracy theorists and people who believe believe in the multiverse say this is something that has happened already in the future. And because time is happening, we say future and past and present, but everything is happening all at the same time when it comes to quantum physics. It's just a multiverse that's layered, right? So it's happened already in one of the multiverses. And we feel it here because it's 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 a I was gonna say a global conscious, but it's more than that. It's a multiverse conscious that we, we all share. And and we feel it here. So for some reason it encouraged somebody over there in New York to actually put out the bombers hit. Well, that that wasn't why they did it. The, the, it was a PSA that said, "Yeah, but you can't in survive. the in <laughs> the in the event of blah blah blah." So, if the bomb hits, this is what you should do. No, you're not right. going to survive it, Harry. It, no, but I, she said the bomb has hit. Don't ask me when. Don't ask me how, or why. Right? So, yeah, but she what she's saying is it's a PSA no, to get you ready. No, I know, but if you are, you know, but it came out she, of. But the problem is, it came out of nowhere with it no came warning, out of nowhere. and people were like, "Wait, what?" <laughs> like, <laughs> and then the stuff that she, that she said is like, uh, "Come out from outside if you can, and shake the radiation dust off. Yeah, <laughs> just shake it. You know, take it off, take your clothes off, put it in a bag. Yes, put everything. It yeah, it's <laughs> like, but your, but my skin is melting. What do I do with that? <laughs> I, although." I tell you what I do. I tell you, I appreciate her calmness. I appreciate oh, it. Oh. <laughs> like, as if you could survive this. <laughs> she's like, uh, she's like a, a robot, uh, a cyborg, a mixture of both. And, you know, it's it's quite possible. You saw that Elon Musk just um, presented his robot, right? His oh, I saw that. AI. But there's a there's a kid in Africa that has a better a better robot. There's a kid but, in Africa that used junk and whatever and made a better robot. So, but the thing is, is that Elon Musk is looking to mass produce it and sell it for less than a car, the value of a car, right? So I know, but it's, it's not. It's not that good, though. No, it's not gonna... yet. He's looking to mass produce it in the next five to ten years. But it's that iRobot movie, Babs. Oh, yeah. We... Harry, we saw this coming. <laughs> it's that iRobot movie. You know they turn against us. Because AI keeps keeps learning, right? It keeps improving itself to the point where it's, it's going to realize that we are the virus of this world. I, I'm, 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 <laughs> Harry, you, you, you no, are the problem. Skynet is real. <laughs> if it's not real, it's about to be real. We are doing too many things. Harry, there's no way I'm having a robot in my house doing a damn thing. <laughs> but that's going to be so convenient. I, I don't need, convenience. you know, I, <laughs> uh-uh. most, 
I was listening to this guy talk about his diet, right, I, on YouTube, and he's like, his biggest problem is that he's lazy, right? So he wants, he's, he's tried his diet, he, and he's successful, but then he gets, you know, lazy, and he doesn't want to prepare all his food and all of that, and he passes a McDonald's, and they have everything just so prepared and easy. And he always keeps falling into the same trap. Well, just today, just, you know, I'm, I'm just going to get a burger today because I don't want to go home and prep my salad and cut my chicken and all of this stuff. Okay. And, and that's how we are as human beings, right? Somebody creates something simple for us and we go, yeah, so why am I going to have to cook? Or, hey, this robot is going to clean for me. Oh, this robot's going to. Oh, it, it organizes me. I've never been so organized in my life. You know, and, and people are just going to fall into. Well, that's what happens. Having that crutch. And then your crutch is going to beat you over the head. <laughs> it is. It's, it's what happens. We, look how dependent we are on our cell phones. Look right? how dependent we are on gas. Oh, on yeah, gas, cell phones. But our it's, cell phones is like an appendage, right? It's Harry, like, I, this is this is the real drug, <laughs> right? It's like it's it's basically like another arm, another whatever. It's another appendage. It's just like part of you, you know. People people actually when they try to go without their phone for a week, and it's like a addict com coming off, you know, off of heroin. They lose their minds, you know. And and I was reading an article about kids these days. They don't know how to talk to each other unless they're yeah. talking through a phone yeah. or through a video game. They can't actually go out to a club and meet regularly. They have to have done it on an app first before they actually venture out into the world. Well, these are the signs of the times, Harry. I mean, look at this. Look at this virtual reality. So you won't even have to go on vacation. You just plug into, go sit in a chair and plug in. And you could be on the beach. You could be at the Louvre. You could be skiing down the Alps. I mean, you could do all the things without actually doing it. I, I don't appreciate any of that, but it's coming. Oh. It's here. Not that it's coming. <laughs> they it's they have a, a new show starting, I think it's Amazon. Um, the the peripheral, I think it's called. Um, and it's about this girl that they they sent her a game to test, a virtual reality game. And she she gets into the game and it, she realizes, oh my God, this is real. That you know, and they start trying to kill her and everything. And it's like, oh my God. I thought it's all funny games until they try <laughs> to kill you. <laughs> exactly. She's like, I thought I could this is fake. And the guy's like, like no, no, no. <laughs> you die you die in the game, you die. Oh, oh. <laughs> you know, I'll so. just sit right down and like, if y'all don't get me out this game, right <laughs> the hell now. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, and and um what was it that uh the the guy who looks like a robot, um the Facebook guy, Zuckerberg, he looks like a droid, right? He's just like Yeah. But he was saying how his metaverse, which, you know, he, he's been pushing it for a while. I don't think it's going to be him that makes it big, but he introduced it. Um, he's talking about how it's an abstract thing now, 
right? It's something that we we do we have to reach for to do it. But I know because there's businesses putting putting their stores in the metaverse. Yeah. So so he's saying, but it's it's abs- it's like an abstract thing now that you got to reach for, but soon it's gonna be where you live. And like what? What? I what? I I I can't wrap my head around. It. I understand it, but why would I want to live like that? Listen, in a fake world. Let me tell you something. So there's been stories about racism in the metaverse. Why would I? Oh yeah, and, and rape, and, and sexual rape. assault. Like, why why would <laughs> I? Why would I trade that for this? Like, why would I, why would I trade this for that? Right. Why? And... <laughs> you can't make the metaverse better. You can't make it better. Say you can't do anything. Nothing is better when we're involved, Babs. I, I told you we bad people. We're bad people. And I, I know. I, I, was, personally I was listening agree. to uh, Bill Maher talk about he's running down this whole slavery atrocities kind of stuff. And he's like, you know, humans are just bad for the earth. And I, I'm not a Bill Maher fan, but I agree with that particular statement yeah. that we are bad for this planet, and, that's and the what planet I, knows it. Right. That's what I mean when I think AI get, is when it becomes destructive is when it gets to the point where it's enlightenment is that we're the problem. Yeah. <laughs> that's going to be its enlightenment. And it's going to be like, oh, I got to resolve this problem. <laughs> and that's a fact, Jack. Yes, that's it. That's it. It's going to be like, it. oh, wait, there's so much hate in the world. There's so much of this in the world. Oh, but it all revolves around human beings. Yeah, and if we if we got rid of the humans, right? And everything else can exist in harmony. <laughs> the natural order of things could just be the natural order of things, right? You know, yeah, right. But, uh, and and for and for a robot, eventually it's gonna it's gonna do the math and it's gonna go okay. Oh, it's, a, it's a, you know what, Harry? Listen. When I play my Spotify and I play certain whatever I want to, it gets used, it starts to understand the kind of music I like. And it sends me, based on what you listened to before, Babs, we think this mix is, you'll like this mix. And nine times out of 10, Harry, they dead on. I was like, now if they're just doing this with music that I like, imagine all the other stuff that they do this. You know, when you're talking about something, because your phone is always on. So if you, like, if I'm talking about uh, Tiffany's jewelry, when I go to my Facebook page, it'll be 50 ads about Tiffany jewelry because I was talking about it. Nora has her hair on the mic. She has her hair? Oh. <laughs> she was holding it down. She yeah. never came on screen, but she was holding it down. High five, Nora. <laughs> yeah, go Nora. I know she uh, She texted me, when are you coming back? Like, I was gone too long. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I'm back. Don't worry, Tuesday, Tuesday. Um, But, it, you know, it it's it's to the point where there's just there's no way around it, right? Mm-hmm. Because for right now, people think we need people are are like drug addicts when it comes to AI. They're like, we need it, we need it, we need to evolve. We can't take the next step as a species without creating something that's going to kill us, right? So, and and the thing is, best is that they think, oh. Because you have to, when, when you're putting all this stuff together, in your plan, you have to look at the side effects, which will be, oh, yeah, it's probably going to kill people. And this, this is how some people think. They go, yeah, it'll probably kill the weak people. 
or you know, or, you, they they think they're better than these people who are creating these a this AI system and these robots. They think they're better. They think that the robot's gonna see them as different. No, the robot's yeah. gonna see you the same as a human being. Yes, and guess what? It's gonna kill its maker. Yes. <laughs> Ain't that how it go in the movies, Harry? The maker always thinks I'm the father, I'm the parent, until the thing turns on it and be like, "I gotta do you win because you you know how to create me, you know how to uncreate me. I gotta do you win." No, it's it's like um, when I used to be deep into church, the the question was always, "But if or the comment was." Well, but if Jesus came now, I wouldn't crucify him. Yeah, you would. Yes, you would. Because you wouldn't be able to just, you would not be able to tell him from all the other crazy naked people outside spouting stuff. You would would because it would, it would terrify you too much for somebody to actually tell you the truth. But but think about this, Harry. If Christ came back now and said, I am that I am. <laughs> People be like, what? People be like, get the hell out of here. <laughs> give, give me your money. Give me your money. <coughs> Imagine if we if, saw a, a man in robes and bare feet and 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 brown skin and dreadlocks or hair flowing. <laughs> Harry, we are not talking to that guy. We're not. <laughs> no, I mean, and, and imagine he goes... Okay, leave your job. Follow me. <laughs> He'll be like, "You crazy? I'm gonna pay my bills." <laughs> Man, get out of here. Who are you talking to? <laughs> That's why we won't know him when he comes. We no. will not know him. We will do the same thing that we've always done. We will persecute him. And of course, and if he tries to disrupt society as we know it, oh my God! Guess what? As you're going in the bank and tipping tables. What's gonna happen? Right. So guess what? Any brown skin, guess what's gonna happen? Crucified, they're gonna shoot them. (laughs) Oh, we don't we don't hang people by the cross anymore. We take a Glock. Now it's just too easy. (laughs) (laughs) No, so yeah, so I I always said, you know, these people, it's like they miss the point of for all have sin and come short of the glory of God, right? So everybody comes short. Yes, you would string him up and crucify him. Yes, you would. And, we wouldn't and... know him. We just wouldn't know him, Harry. I'm not because I think people think he's gonna show up with an entourage, be dressed well, and just be like, I'm I'm JC. <laughs> Yo, I'm Christ here. Everybody follow me, and everybody's gonna be like, Oh yeah. This guy, no. First off. Everybody be looking for the the wolf in sheep's clothing, right? Oh yeah. So it's like nope, antichrist. <laughs> and we ain't learn anything, so you know what's gonna happen. We're gonna do them in. We're gonna do them in because this is what'll be the conversation. Well, if you really Christ, you could, you could, we could, we could, we could kill you. You could rise again, and blah blah blah. And he has to say, I already did that. Do you understand? <laughs> like, I already did. This is my second coming. Did you get that part? Nope. No. So I, 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 I don't think we would know Christ, Harry, if he sat next to us. And I think Christ is next to us all the time. You right. You can know him, man. And 
I've I felt guilty when I when I say no to somebody who's asking me for money and stuff like that because I don't carry cash anymore. <laughs> the beggar should actually have the swiping thing. Uh, you know, so sometimes I'll be like, oh, look, I'll, I'll get you food. And I know that's not what they want. The, well, I don't know. That's the thing I go to. I've always said to myself, well, man, what if this person really needed those $2? Yeah. That he was well, I mean, for? you're right, Harry. A lot of people don't carry cash anymore. I mean, they, yeah. just, they just don't carry cash because it's inconvenient and it's, you know. Yeah, and I had to, I had to actually take, take cash out of um, for my vacation, because I knew I was going to have to tip people, you know, so, and it was like, ooh, and I don't even know how to tip anymore, right? It's like, okay, wait a minute, are, like, the valet at the hotel, it's like, do I tip every time, or do I tip at the end of the week? Mm-hmm. Well, if you have the same valet, you could tip well, at no, the end of the week. Well, no, it's a group of them, and they rotate. Yeah, so. So do they share the tips? I don't know. And, and well, at the reception area, they said, no, at the end of the week is fine. But I'm like, I, I wonder if you even know. <laughs> I'm thinking, there's the people out there. <laughs> so I, it, it just got so confusing, you know. And then it's like, is 10, 15% the, the normal? Is that too little? depending on your service. I mean, if, if it's great service, I always give more, but it's like it, it, tipping is just confusing for me these days because I don't go out. So it's like, oh, well, and Karen goes, no, you you should look at the tax and double the tax. That's mm-hmm. the tip. I'm like, huh, okay. So I started doing that because it seemed like more than the 10% tip. I don't know. Who knows? You. I know it's a new <laughs> it's a new day it's a new age and we got new new tools right and you know? as in some places they share the tip and some places they don't right so it's like they should actually put a sign all tips shared in this location mm. this way you know that when you're t- when you're tipping you're tipping the the a cook, the this, the that. You're tipping everybody, so you know. Oh, maybe I should increase my tip because it's spread out. Yeah, but well, it's a lot. We have a lot to contend with. <laughs> it is. It is. But, but let me tell you the the people. I I know that it's a tourist place, and and they're paid to be nice. <laughs> you know, but these people. Over there is just incredibly nice and friendly people. But it's not just, it's people visiting, too, who are friendly. I guess everybody's on vacation. Everybody's in a good mood. But it was, it, it was just, it's, it's amazing. But I, I think we're going somewhere different. We don't want to get sidetracked by a hurricane or anything like that for our next vacation. We got to go, I don't know. I've thought about doing places that I've maybe never gone before in America. Not I know you should. I know you you like to exit 
this country. But well, I've I've been in every state in the United you, States. Right, you've done all of those. You've visited a lot of places. So I need to start doing that just to visit different places. I think you should. I think I think you will like a lot of places, and you like the South. So start. Have you been to New Orleans? No, I, I've never been to New Orleans. Maybe I, I, I think you would. I think you would like New Orleans, Harry. I think you would love the food. Oh, I would definitely love the food. You would love the food, Harry, and they have all that. Karen's picky though, but it, there'll be stuff for her too. Cause, yeah. you know, Harry, I'm not eating barbecue alligator. I'm not. <laughs> I, I definitely would. I'm eating all of that. You no, know, I know you. That's what I mean. Yeah, you throw throw the frog legs on the on yeah, the plate. Throw all of that. I but they got they got a lot of crawfish. You like crawfish, yeah. etouffee, all that kind of stuff. You would dig. The music is exciting. I I gotta say, <coughs> um, <coughs> I gained I gained three pounds on my vacation. I gained three pounds. I know we we went through to a few buffet places. It's just the food is so good out there. Mm-hmm. But I'm back on track as of. Yesterday, okay. How you no, feel? No, it's a Sunday. We're back on track on our diet. No, it's you know I I will say this after a couple of meals, I felt I didn't feel good after a couple of the meals we went to. Um, the food was delicious, but I didn't feel good. An hour later, I was suffering eating. The fried stuff and all of that, mm-hmm. you know. So didn't I tell you that? Yeah. So I, I'm good. I'm happy getting back on the diet. My stomach wasn't right that week, <laughs> so I'm happy getting back on it. And and like I said, we're back in the flow. Yesterday we had our regular diet stuff and everything, so it's good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But it was okay. it, it was hard, Babs, going and, and seeing the cakes that everybody puts out over there. And it's like, oh, my God. Well, you know what you could have done? Just buy a piece of cake, take a couple of bites, and then have them take it away. I, You know, I did that with the banana pudding. I did that with the the bread pudding. Um, I tasted uh, like a, it had to be like a quadruple layer chocolate cake. Um. So I, I did. I took. I I should. I, I didn't take a bite. <laughs> took like half of each. Um. But yeah. So. But I did stop. I didn't. It was good, but it didn't. It didn't. It didn't. I bet you it didn't give you the feeling that you right. thought it was going to give you. That that's the that's the key thing, right? I after eating it, all I did was feel overfull. <laughs> I yeah. wasn't like ooh, you know. <laughs> but I wanted to do. I'm like. Once I started, I was like, well, I'm on vacation. I might as well just eat what I'm going to eat and then get back on the diet. So I, I did taste everything. Didn't go crazy. I mean, a lot of the places, my plate was full of carrots and broccoli and stuff like that. Um, but still, you know, those cakes and stuff, it's like when I looked at my point system, the cake alone would blow out my whole diet for the day. Oh, gosh. And that's crazy, right? Yeah. Crazy. And you're like... So, yeah, so I get 46 points for the day. 
and a cake would be like a, a slice of cake would be like fifty eight points. Oh, so yeah. Oh, so that's why it's like, oh, okay, yeah, okay, I get it. Yeah, I get. It. Then we found the soap food place over there that I had to eat twice. <laughs> I was like, oh, my God, why am I doing this? But you know what? Yeah, we're going to order again tomorrow because this, that deep fried shrimp was just like insane. But whatever. Okay. I'm well, over you're back. it. You're back. You're over it. <laughs> you're over it. Don't beat yourself up. It's no, fine. Right. You're back on it. Listen, three pounds is easy. Well, yeah, you know, I'm happy that it was only three, right? So that's how I saw it. Don't let it be like three more. Right. No, no, no. I I, I think I'm going to lose the three this week. Oh, yeah, because you're back home. Yeah, I'm back home. I'll I'll do my exercises and all that stuff and keep to a strict uh, portion control (laughs) meal plan. (laughs) And it'll be gone. (laughs) <laughs> but I was sad you know I knew I was gonna gain but I was like three pounds oh my god did you fly um, from a velo did you fly a velo yeah we flew a velo um, you're listening to Love Best Love Talk on WNHHLP 103.5 FM your home for community radio oh you know what I got guessed at 10 o'clock too. I mean 10.15 okay. um, you so we flew a velo, and I gotta say it's it's better than Spirit. It's better than uh, what's the other one? Um, uh, JetBlue? No, 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 no. The one that who, who's the DSL place around here? The they have the same name. Anyway, so it's the cheap flight places. They say thirty nine dollars. And and you're crammed into a seat like a sardine. The the on a velo? No, the velo seats aren't like that. Oh, okay. I was there's like, space, what? There's space in the seats. I will say this: my flight got delayed. Well, first going, it got delayed one whole day because of the hurricane, um, which was fine. I, I prefer not to fly in a hurricane. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, you know, I mean, you know, what's What's a little excitement? <laughs> right. So I'm good there. But coming back, it got delayed. Bass, it was like drama, right? The One of the ladies who who are, you know, t- looking at your tickets, scanning your tickets. Uh-huh. I don't know what their names, what they call their profession. But um, so she, she hit a button by mistake and she deleted every passenger on the <laughs> so now she now we all have to come up with IDs so she yeah. could put them together. So she could put it all back in. All There's back no in. You didn't go back to be like, listen. This is the thing, right? But but that's not the thing. That that wasn't just it. Then she had a panic attack. She had a panic attack right there, Babs. The ambulance had to come and everything. Oh my God, are you kidding me? <laughs> no, she just, she suddenly lost it. And then all of a sudden, she went completely still. She wouldn't move. She just 
was staring. She she had a full blown. Like she was cat, cat, catatonic. Yeah. So they had to call the ambulance and everything. We had to wait for that. And then when they, her replacement came and she booked all of us in, when they're about to let us into the plane, they, the pilot said, no, we're having some issues. Maintenance has to come down and everything. So we had, we ended up about two and a half hours late. Oh, oh my God. You know, and then it's like, is there a problem with the plane? No, don't worry about it. Maintenance is just, you know, maintenance. Is, they'll take care of everything. You know, and then when we when we landed here in Tweed, and I don't want to get nobody in trouble, but this is this is pretty important. We landed in Tweed, and they <coughs> they were boarding another flight at the same gate that we were supposed to exit, right? So one of the people come up to tell the Avello staff that, yeah, you're going to have to wait because we're boarding another flight. And he said, why were you guys late? And the guy goes, oh, the plane had issues. They had maintenance look at it. And the guy who came up said, oh, yeah, this plane has been having issues for a while. <laughs> and I'm like, what? <laughs> That's not something you want to just say out loud. Well, you know what? That's the stuff that comes out in depositions. <laughs> I'm like that is not something you want to say out loud. That's the stuff that comes out of depositions, Harry, when you're being sued <laughs> for the for the for the lives of the people that were on that plane. Oh my God, help us, Lord. Yeah. So, okay. uh, all right, Avello, you need to instruct your staff not to have conversations like that in front in of front You know, it's like your mom said, we don't air our business in front of people. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> So, but it was, I guess, I mean, Lord. I was so happy to land and be in Connecticut. Um, mm. You know, once you know that you're, you're going home, you just want to get home as quickly as possible, you know. Yes, I know. I know. All right, we're going to take a break. We're going to come back. We got Paul Nunez, Harry, um, who is my guest this morning. I'm so excited to have Paul on. So, he, he you know, Paul is part of... Uh, Depino Nunez and Biggs LLC, which used to be Depino and Associates, and they're a New Haven-based government relations firm with experienced staff um, with a diverse background in government. They're lobbyists, and uh, so he's coming on because they're going to talk about um, you know it's it's a Hispanic Heritage Month, Harry, from September fifteenth to October fifteenth. So he's coming on to talk about. Um, Is that really a month? It's not <laughs> well. It's straddling two months, September and October. I don't know. I don't know how. I don't know how to spend. It, it's like it's like I don't know how they accepted this, but okay. It's like those people. It's like those people who say, "I'm a Leo and a Cancer." <laughs> yeah, no, you're not. No, you're not. Midnight you're not. is the deciding time. <laughs> if you were born at eleven fifty nine, you're Leo. If you was born at twelve o'clock, <laughs> you're a Cancer. Like midnight is the dividing line, people. I don't know how the Hispanics went for this, Harry. I don't know. I don't get it. I wasn't in the negotiations. So. <laughs> All right. We'll be right back. You're listening to Love Bass Love Talk on WNHH LP 103.5 FM. Your home for community radio. Ride on, 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 ride on
If the kids have to get the COVID vaccine for school, my five-year-old starts kindergarten this year. It's not required, but I did get mine vaccinated to be on the safe side. There were several cases of COVID in the classes this year, and I'm happy they all stayed healthy. I just keep wondering if the COVID vaccine is the right thing for my child. I understand fully, and from what I've seen, there's been no major issues with my friends or their children. The COVID-19 vaccine is safe and effective and it improves people's lives. Thanks to this vaccine, there is less spread and fewer symptoms reported by those who get infected. Now everyone over the age of six months can get it, and no appointment is necessary. 
Find out more at nhvvax.com, nhvvax.com. Make summer safer. Protect your family from COVID-19. Anyone over nine months old can get vaxxed. No appointment necessary. Visit nhvvax.com. That's nhvvax.com for everything you need to know. I'm New Haven Health Director Marissa Bond. If you or your family have COVID-19 symptoms or think you were exposed to someone with COVID, quarantine, stay home, and get tested on day five if possible. If you have COVID, isolate, wear a mask, vaccinate, get boosted, and tested as needed. Those are the best ways to stop the spread of COVID. At this time, we are vaccinating everyone ages five and up. Stay safe, New Haven. Hi, this is Babs Rawls-Ivy from New Haven, Connecticut, and you're listening to WNHHLP 103.5 FM, streaming live at newhavenindependent.org. I want to dance all night, Monday morning, I'm sick of this job already.
Livingston, and you're listening to 103.5 FM WNHH.
hour of love babs love talk i'm babs rose ivy i'm delighted i've got a good friend in studio this morning hey paul nunez good morning babs how are you how are you so let me tell y'all a little bit about paul nunez he is with uh he is uh with the pino nunez and biggs llc which is formerly the pino and associates um it's a well-rounded new haven based government relations firm they are lobbyist people and of the best and the best sort <laughs> Uh, and they have a very diverse staff, and uh, and y'all y'all know Paul from being around town. I remember when he used to work for City Hall many many moons ago. I did. I started uh, working for John DeStefano in two thousand and five. But prior to that, I was with the Connecticut Conference of Municipalities, so I was traveling around New Haven, you know. But uh, really got my start here in '05 working for John. Yes, and uh, how does it feel to sort of? Uh, be uh, a Latino in government relations. How does that, what, what is that like? You know, it's, um, it, it's, a, it's a real privilege for me um, to be working in a, in a field and industry that, you know, all pretty much since uh, my college career, uh, I was geared towards, you know, I majored in public policy and really sought ways to give back to the community. At one point, I wanted to run for office, um, found out that I was a better placed working for politicians and was able to, you know, get involved in the nitty gritty and uh, uh, just make sure that there was policy that was well-rounded and spoke to the things I cared about. So, you know, people like John DeStefano uh, gave me a, a, you know, huge leg up. Uh, Francis Sanchez, who was the deputy mayor of Hartford, was the first official I really kind of sought out and, uh, wrote to her while I was in college and, and, and asked her if she would take me on as an intern. And that's really what gave me that, that bug for public service, seeing what people like Francis did uh, and, and what, what they were able to do to, to affect community change. So, um, you know, got into to, to working for politicians for, for probably a good decade, um, you know, uh, worked for the Speaker of the House for a number of years and then sort of made the transition to, to government relations as a, uh, just trying to apply my skills and my knowledge base to, to, to an industry and helping people navigate the legislative process. Mm. Um, so, so when you, yeah. when you're out there talking to people, Paul, uh, people who don't really understand how government works and how the legislative process is, and, and they seem to have a disconnect or, or sometimes I don't want to say negative, but displeasure in what they believe is happening in government how do you yeah. how do you talk to people about how they should view um, the legislative process for their own interests? Yeah, I think you know, um, and, and our rights and our ability to engage our our elected officials is protected. It's a First Amendment right. So you know, I really start with that basic principle that yes, you may be dissatisfied, but it's your right to voice that dissatisfaction. It's your right to engage. Uh, and, uh, you know, advocate for things you want, whether it's a 
piece of legislation that you see as good or something that you think brings uh, people, you know, takes things back in, in a negative direction. Um, so it's, it's that foundational understanding that, yes, I, I belong in these hallways and I belong uh, to participate in the process, um, which is hard for folks. I mean, I grew up in Hartford. Um, probably the first time I stepped into the legislative office building was when I was in college. Um, and this is the building that day in, day out, you see many tour groups of school kids. And as a Hartford public school uh, student, I, I was never... Uh, never set foot in there. So, you know, there, there, there is this aspect too of, um, you know, the access, uh, but really I try to remind people, this is your process. These are your elected officials. Uh, it's your right to come here and, and advocate. And, and, and really that's what allows you to, some of that dissatisfaction go away, right? The, the helplessness, that feeling that I can't really affect any change, but um, really going up there and, and talking to your electeds. I mean, most of them are great people who love to see constituents and, and, and really engage. Mm. So do you feel, and I know you're proud and um, honored to sort of serve in, as, as a person of Latino, uh, as a Latino person, uh, but do you feel the weight of that? Cause sometimes I, I know as a, as a, as a black woman, uh, I walk into spaces and I know I, re- I, I, un- Sometimes it's, it's not by choice that I, I have to look like I represent the whole damn race of black people. Do you do you feel, do you feel that in spaces? Do you feel that periodically? Yeah, you know I, I do. Um, what what I've actually now understand more is the sort of the flip side of that. My ability to engage and shed a little bit of of, of light on maybe you know cultural misunderstandings or just experience, right? What it's like to to have been Puerto Rican growing up in Hartford uh, and, and, you know, uh, engaging the educational system. I mean, right. So at times, yes, it did did feel like I have to be the one who represented everybody, but now I really take it as an opportunity um, because unfortunately there are times where uh, I am still the only Latino in the room Um, more and more, you know, increasingly we, we, we have more Latino legislators, more Latino staff and, Hopefully, as uh, you know, time goes on, Latino lobbyists. Um, naturally, there there are many other Latinos that are uh, registered lobbyists uh, and, and advocates. So, not to say that I'm the only one, but um, you know, it, it's an industry where we're seeing more of our own come up, and and I, I really enjoy seeing that. Mm. And so, um, the Latino community, like the Black community, is not monolithic you know, we can come together on a lot of things, but there are a lot of things that are just very, very different. How do you bridge those differences? Yeah, you know, it's um, one of those things I've uh, I've seen that around uh, immigration issues. Um, You know, uh, the Puerto Rican community has been fortunate to to have been granted our our citizens to the U.S. since 1917, uh, since 1917, through a lot of sacrifice and and a lot of bad things happening as well. but, you know, the immigration issue was one that uh, sometimes people say, oh, Puerto Ricans were not as into. Uh, but I feel like, you know, in order to grow our, our, our collective voice, uh, we have to care about issues that may not affect us immediately, but affect our brothers and sisters. So, you know, it's just finding the common ground. It's finding, you know, maybe it does not affect my family, but how does this uh, issue you know, affect my neighbors. And it's, it's really just being neighborly and, and, you know, 
looking to others just as they are as a, as a brother sister as a, a friend as a neighbor and um some of these issues aren't that complex you know um and just kind of being human about it Fabs, is, is one of the best ways and and i, I try to portray that and, and bring that you know new views and perspectives in, into my lobbying uh, when i can mm. so uh one of the things that y'all are doing at um at your firm is um supporting and celebrating um uh the progressive latino fund is that it did i say it right that's right yes yeah so tell, tell me a little bit about that fund and, and what does it do yeah, so uh, they were started in 2003, um, and uh, one of the you know the major functions is to uh, promote the educational and socioeconomic well-being of uh, the Latino community in New Haven, in the greater New Haven area. So they do that by uh, you know highlighting different sort of uh, cultural uh, aspects of, of, La- of the Latino community, uh, highlighting up-and-coming young talent, and, and trying to just promote uh, Latino culture and Latino individuals that are uh doing uh good for their community uh, another important aspect which is one of the reasons we really give is they they support many of the latino not-for-profits in the area that are either uh, direct service give providers uh or, or provide other um you know uh services to, to to folks in the community so uh it's a fund that i a number of years back i was able to sit in one of their sort of uh community listening sessions so i really thought that they they really did uh, want to reflect the needs and wants of the community. So we, we gladly, uh, uh, you know, took up their appeal and, and gave this year to them uh, in honor of uh, Hispanic Heritage Month. Mm, okay. I just wanted to make sure I, uh, Aurora sent me a message and I wanted to make sure that I, I, I brought that up because um, it is uh, Hispanic Heritage Month yeah. from September 15th through October 15th, I believe. That's right. Yep. And, and uh, uh, we, you know, we, we want to encourage uh, others to, to go out, check out the, uh, the, the, the fund's website and, and hopefully give as well. Uh, uh, I, I think they make great impact in the community. Mm-hmm. So, so Paul, walk me through a day yep. of what it means to, to do your job. What do you, what does a lobbyist do? All right. So yeah, you know, let's take a, a typical session day pre-pandemic um because post-pandemic <laughs> for like a lot of us has meant a lot of zoom meetings which uh you know we, we transition and we're able to do that as well but uh you know one of the beauties of this job is showing up to the legislative office building on on, on a, any given day and sort of going through my mental file of issues and clients i have to lobby for uh and sort of i show up there i have a sense okay i got a you know, work on this piece of legislation for a client that's in the education committee. So I make my list of legislators. I need to, you know, check in with that day or schedule formal meetings. And, and you know, and I do that over and over for each client I have. Um, so it's, you know, really just going about the process of finding out who's, who's with you, who's not, um, trying to bridge connections between your issue and legislators. And, uh, you know, and sometimes just trying to keep the ball moving forward. Um, what I love about the legislative process, it's a, it's a linear process that's dictated by, you know, dates and, and deadlines. And as a lobbyist, I, I get to work within that constraint, get creative a little bit and, and, and get to do uh, some fun stuff and hopefully, you know, move some good policy forward uh, on behalf of my clients. And, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's really just a great job to 
I mean, you know, learn about people's experiences, about their life, the background they bring to to the job of legislating. And, you know, it really is a cross-section of, of Connecticut legislature. And you get folks there from who are small business people, uh, professionals, uh, teachers. And, and so interacting with them is really great. So, um, yeah. So when you when you talk when you take on clients, yeah. do you do you advise them when they say I, we want to do this? Do you do you have advisement for them about a particular policy they want to bring to life? Do you do you uh, help them work on like what is the relationship like with your clients? Yeah, so uh, most most of the clients bring us on either because. Uh, so three things they want sort of general government relations right they they're uh, an entity that wants to be known and understood amongst policymakers uh, then there's folks who either want to pass or defeat legislation um, uh, and so each takes on a different sort of flair but you know at, at, at its most uh, base yeah we, we advise them on on, on the on the policy um, we give them our advice on uh, you know, para- the parameters that, that the policy may be seeking to set, um, any past experience that we have with the issue. But our uh, our real forte is really uh, creating uh, the pathway forward for them, right? Let's say they're trying to pass a, a piece of legislation. It's sort of digging down to who the people are that may be most attracted to uh, this piece of policy, but also just working the, the, the nuts and bolts, right? Um, carrying out a vote count in front of the education committee, let's say, or engaging the chairs of the judiciary committee and making sure that they understand what, what that uh, legislation they may be trying to advance uh, does. Um, so it really, it's just helping them uh, instrumentalize every part of the process from getting a bill uh, proposed and, and engaging uh, potential uh, supporters uh, assuring that they have a successful testimony uh, during a public hearing uh, and, and just really being their eyes and ears when it comes to all activities surrounding uh, their issues. I, I recognize that all politics are local, but you do have to take the temperature of the country. And, and how much time do you spend and, and do you take cues from what is happening around the country? And, and do you take cues from what is coming out of um, Washington? Yeah, D.C. is a, almost like a, a completely different animal, but there are policy issues that that you sort of see trickle down to the state level from D.C. Perhaps uh, they get bogged down in, in, in the D.C. gridlock and uh, partisanship. Uh, perhaps, um, you know, it becomes much easier. And, and we see this a lot in, in certain efforts that we, we work on. Um, some entities uh, desire to go a state-by-state strategy versus just a, a sort of nationalized um, uh, for certain, you know, di- different reasons. Uh, so we, we do look at to D.C. to see what are the things that are getting stuck that may trickle down. But really, even in the case of other states, um, you know, states like California tend to be sort of policy sort of harbingers, um, you know, when, when uh, uh, bills move through their uh, legislature you see them sort of start being uh, taken up in other states. So we also look at the bigger states too, to see what they're doing um, because from time to time, those issues will, will start trickling down to other state legislatures. So what's it like working with your, uh, your mother-in-law? 
Your mother-in-law is, <laughs> is Dave Ramsey Walker. How yes, I- yeah. Well, worst kept secret in government. Worst kept secret. <laughs> and actually, truth be told, truth be told, there, I am still surprised. Uh, there, you know, there are people year to year that uh, realize uh, that that she's been my mother-in-law for 17 years now. So, um, yeah, once in a while, there, 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 there's folks that are surprised by by the familiar connection. No, but it's great. She is, you know. Obviously, such a uh, dedicated and, and committed legislator uh, to, to her district and to New Haven and the state of Connecticut. Um, so it's it's just it's great. Um, I really treat her like any other legislator, um, particularly and maybe even with more care in the sense that, you know, we don't want people to think, oh, she's doing it for Paul. Right. Um, so one of the deals I always have is I will always get your colleagues support and demonstrate that this is not just an issue I'm going to you, but others in your committee or your caucus support this issue. So we, we've been really able to, to work and create some consensus uh, on a lot of issues, but it's great. Um, she's somebody who's, a, she's a teacher, right? Um, and, and she just teaches me so much about uh, the process and, and, and the budget in particular, because that's one of her uh, areas of expertise. So it's, it's been really great. It's been a blessing. Mm. So I, I know you you have participated in discussions with my sorority, Delta Sigma Theta, um, in New Haven. You have been part of, of some of the conversations. I, we were doing a, a, a conversations that matter across the city, and uh, and you participated in and and talking about just this kind of thing and how people can participate and 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 be heard and that kind of thing. Uh, what do you think we need, Paul, to educate more people about? the legislative process and their commitment as citizens um, to voting. Yeah, I think, you know, it's, it's, um, it starts out with bringing those classrooms into the legislative office building. You know, it's, it's seeing that the building is accessible, that it's a place that you can uh, visit and, and, and take part in, in the process. You know, unlike, Washington, D.C., where you have to be invited to speak at a hearing, you can just show up the day of and sign up to testify. So, you know, it's a, it's a really, it's a really, it's a system really uh, made for participation of the public. And now with, you know, uh, uh, Zoom and, you know, our, Zoom, our, our pandemic reality was uh, for the first time having the legislative process happening, but not being able to engage face-to-face, which in our industry, that was uh, pretty monumental. Um, but because of uh, Zoom, we saw participation up in public hearings by by uh, members of the public and interested, uh, you know, constituents. So, um, it, you know, it starts with the small things. You know, bringing kids into the building. It's it's elected officials. You know, holding coffee meetings in in, in their districts, right, and being as as accessible as possible. Because um, I think, you know, state legislature, state legislator has um, probably, uh, you know, a lot of day to day impact that can, uh, that residents may not realize. Um, and also their accessibility is it's just uh, really there. So um, to to be able to grab a, a you know, a Pat Dillon or, or Gary Winfield, it's pretty easy. It's most, you know, you go down to one of our co- coffee shops uh, and run into them. Right. And. And most of them are, are really happy to engage on issues and, and hear from constituents. So it's, it's, you know, it's not rocket science, but it's just little things that, uh, you know, um, you know, we can do as, as individuals to, you know, educate ourselves a little bit, right? 
um, and, and reach out, even if it's a simple email. Um, I think that's important. Um, so, you know, we're, we're, we're not here, you know, to just sort of sit on our hands and let governing happen to us. Uh, we can really engage back and, and, and shape how, how governing happens. Mm. So, um, you know, we are, we are uh, in a midterm season and uh, we've got elections coming up in November. Uh, we've got a, a, a bunch of races. Um, uh, what, what do you say to people uh, when, when you hear stuff like, oh, you know, midterm elections are not that sexy, they're not that interesting. You know, people yeah. get excited about the bigger elections. Sure. Yeah, well, no, what I would say is, you know, your, your, your state tax rates are, are, are going to be determined by who wins an election like this. Um, you know, things that you may care about, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, whether it's a uh, legal cannabis for adults, right? Those are things that are uh, decided by who wins in mid-state elections. Um, so, you know, a lot of your day-to-day issues, um, things that you, you faced, you know, uh, uh, you know, from, from schooling to the roads, right? These are things that elected officials that are up in this, this cycle, state legislators, uh, the governor, uh, those are, those are uh, issues that, you know, will be decided um, by people during this election cycle. So I, you know, I, I actually, I probably feel the opposite. I care more about midterm elections than, than the big national elections, uh, because so much of my work is driven by the state legislature and state government uh, that this is for me, you know, so election night uh, is a big night for me. I sit, my our whole team sits down and keeps track of who's winning and we try to get out uh, reports to our clients as soon as possible on what the dynamics of each caucus look like, you know, who uh, may be leading in the uh, uh, exit polls for, for governor and stuff like that. So this is kind of like our prime time, but hugely um, important in terms of, day-to-day impact and also again accessibility right you know ability to voice my concern to my you know the folks crafting the state budget well that's much easier done than perhaps reaching out to our congress uh uh members although i find them pretty accessible as well uh with with email and and stuff like that so Mm -hmm. so what what are what are the most pressing issues that connecticut is is looking at from your from your perspective? Yeah, I think right now we're we're at a, a, a interesting crossroads. You know, for so much of my career, we were in this sort of deficit mode where the state finances were uh, in in shambles, uh, successive uh, deficits uh, in state budget. Uh, the uh, you know we hear a lot about unf- unfunded liabilities and our uh, pension uh, programs and and others and sort of an odd thing that happened during this pandemic was that we started seeing a, a, a fiscal uh, turnaround in terms of our state budget. Um, you know, uh, the budget reserves ballooned uh, so much that um, there were so, you know, some new triggers that were added in, into uh, state law that uh, once they, uh, the surplus uh, uh, grew enough, then a certain amount of that money would then be go to, to pay down debt. And we've uh, been able to use that mechanism to pay down uh, large large amounts of debt. Now there's there's a discussion uh, about what do we do with this uh, uh, huge surplus that we have. Uh, there's those saying, well, we should hang on to it because uh, you know we're seeing uh, inflation and 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 a uh, potential uh, uh, recession uh, on its way. So let's 
hang on to that surplus because it's quite not rainy yet. Some folks are saying it, it's kind of it's we're post you know in post pandemic recovery and uh, that that merits uh, uh, taking up that that that's expenditures and, and spending more uh, on on different programming. So I think that's that's going to be one of the the big sort of philosophical um, issues. What do we do with the surplus? Do we save it? Do we spend a little? And, and I'm sure both of those will happen. Uh, it's just to, to what degree and what programming will, uh, will we see uh, more investments in. Mm. So what is the best part of your job? What do you like about this job? I, I just, I, I like engaging people. I, I like um, moving issues through. Um, there's nothing more gratifying than you know, having a client testify at a committee meeting and, you know, getting all those questions you want raised uh, to get, you know, to, to, to get asked, uh, you know, having seen that board uh, of, uh, of the vote tally uh, on a piece of legislation that you've worked on through, you know, uh, the committee process all the way to the, you know, getting it through the House and, and then that final vote, let's say, in the House or Senate and seeing the votes come through for it, that, that's a great moment because, you know, it's, it's, it's all just comes down to yeses and nos, all the hard work, all the testimony, all the one-on-one lobbying. And, and so that's sort of the big moment when you see that tally up there, uh, hopefully in the affirmative, uh, you know, uh, and, and getting that bill across the, uh, the goal line. Do you feel like a role model? Because I, I would imagine when, <laughs> when kids see you come into a classroom where they see you, uh, it, wherever you wh- wherever you are, and they find out what you do. I mean, that's not in anybody's. Um, uh, that's that's not in the, the things that that people imagine they could be. And so when yeah, they you see know, you, it's a it's a it's a big deal. I, I hope I, I hope I can be a role model. I hope um, you know. Only recently have we started uh, bringing on interns who seek out lobbying firms because they want to be a lobbyist. So that's that's a new dynamic for me. I never, you know, at a young age said I want to become a black hat lobbyist, you know, and, and run a government relations firm, right? But we are seeing students like that. We just had a, an intern from uh, New Haven. He's a UConn student who, who who really wanted to understand what government relations is and lobbying and. And, uh, you know, he completed an internship with us. So I, I do hope uh, kids look up not only me, but, but others uh, working in government. Um, it's a deeply gratifying field. It's, you know, you can be as corporate as you want, or you can do just stuff that affects the community. So it really does give you a lot of, um, uh, you know, possibilities. Um, so I, I would say anybody interested in lobbying, you know, you could always reach out to us through our website. And, uh, we, you know, we're currently looking for interns uh, for this coming legislative session. Uh, so, you know, if you're interested, yeah, we, we love to bring you on, teach you what lobbying is about. And it, it, yeah, it, I also say it, it's a great career. It's, it's allowed me to do so much uh, professionally, meet so many people, provide for my family. Uh, which, you know, uh, ultimately, uh, no matter how much you love a, a job, it's got to do that. Um, so uh, I'm very, uh, I'm very happy with, with, with picking this in. And, and I hope others uh, see this as a possible uh, pathway for them. I, I, I like that you said that, Paul, because I think people have such a misunderstanding 
of lobbyists. I think they've been a picture has been painted of of lobbyists being unscrupulous and and you know not above the the line and all this other kind of stuff. Yeah, how do you address that? Well, you know, it's 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 just like in any career, right? uh, sometimes you hear about the bad apples when they do bad things. And, and, you know, and that's when you may first hear about a lobbyist is when, you know, uh, Jack Abramoff at the federal level was taking money and giving money and doing all sorts of, uh, you know, horrible, illegal things. Um, but, you know, it's like any profession. There are those who uh, carry themselves in, 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 in high regard and, and work professionally. And sometimes there's, there's others that don't, but, you know, I think also it's a function of how our career, uh, how our, uh, uh, you know, job is. A lot of the things we work on are, uh, you know, sort of under confidentiality agreements with the client. And so, you know, the, the, the exposure out there for the issues you may be working on day to day tend to be kept in, in the, you know, in the, in the back burner. But I, I love letting people know that I'm a lobbyist. I love dispelling you know, the notions that people's have, because I, I happen to, you know, uh, do my job very ethically above board because, you know, it's just the alternatives. It's just not, 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 not good. Um, and, you know, so, and, you know, and, and, and most of the things that people do in, in, in professional capacities are, are either out of stupidity or, or to give themselves some sort of edge, um, uh, yeah, I, I try to avoid all those things. <laughs> mm, mm. And so, um, you're 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 uh, a, a, a owner member of the the firm of your firm DNB. Yes, ma'am. And uh, uh, what was what that what what caused that decision? Like, how did you know that that was the the path? Because you could you could be working for it just about yeah. Anywhere. Well, you know, it's a yeah. So I was leaving. Uh, so I was working for Chris Donovan, Speaker of the House, uh, another gentleman who gave me a, and, and Millie, his then chief of staff, gave me a, a shot at, at working for him. And that's what really started to get my ideas going about, you know, really staying at the state level and, and working uh, at the legislative process. And, you know, as he was sort of finishing his term as speaker, I started thinking about what I wanted to do. And, you know, I had already done sort of like inside lobbying, you know, working for an entity and being there lobbyist you know exclusively uh did that for the city i had worked at an association where we represent different uh members of like interest uh and so the 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 next step for me in my mind was i want to go work at a contract lobbying firm where i can work with the roster of clients keeps my attention span going because day to day i can work on different issues um and and really just allow my skill set, allow my, my knowledge base and experience to just really work for all sorts of different entities uh, and in different ways. And so I approached Chris DiPino, who uh, uh, you might know as well. And he I started, do know uh, Chris. Associates. He started DiPino Associates in 2003 um, and had worked with him. He was, uh, and we still are uh, the city of New Haven's lobbyist. Uh, so he was my lobbyist at one point uh, when I was working for the city of New Haven and developed a good relationship with him and, and approached him about, Hey, you know, what do you think uh, if I came over to the shop uh, at that point, I had kind of recruited, you know, a couple of clients and was thinking either, okay, I might hang up my own shingle or, or go somewhere. And Chris kind of just 
rolled out the welcome mat like nobody else I talked to. He said, you could come here uh, and just work for me, or you could come here and take this firm over with Melissa and take it into, you know, uh, uh, the, the next 25 years. And he really, that's, he inspired me with that and um, stuck, stuck true to his word. And about uh, four years ago, we, we started the transition, the formal transition. So I changed the name to Depino Nunez and Biggs. Melissa Biggs is our uh, other partner who has been with the firm since she was a uh, intern at uh, Southern Connecticut State University. So uh, we, 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 you know, she, she's been uh, the backbone of the company for many years now. And now we are the first Latino woman owned um, lobbying firm in the state. So uh, we're pretty proud of that. You know, we're, we're both sort of young upstarts who were given this great chance by Chris and um, are really, you know, trying to make a, world-class lobbying firm, uh, uh, you know, from our talent and, um, yeah, and provide really good service to our clients. It has been my pleasure to talk to you today. I, I so appreciate I, your time. I've, I've enjoyed this immensely. And, yeah. uh, and I, I many love years in the making. You. Yes. many. many. <laughs> so I, I don't want you to be a stranger. Like I don't, I don't want another several thousand years to go by no, I know. before well, you come I, back. I appreciate you, you bring me on, you know, it's, uh, I've always been kind of like a keep my head down, you know, and, and work kind of guy doing something like this, talking about, um, you know, what I do is, is new to me, but, you know, we've worked really hard and we have a really great thing going on and a great company. So um, I was, you know, I'm very happy and proud to be here and, and talk about my experience. Well, thank you. Well, say hello to your beautiful wife, Talia, the author. And well, I'm, I'm looking for her next. And the beautiful children that are so grown up now. Holy Absolutely. cow. Yes, I know. <laughs> uh, 14 and 9. And oh. yeah, just quick, quick plug for my wife. She's, uh, she'll be, uh, uh, her latest book, uh, based on the uh, putting veneers of the 65th Infantry, uh, all Puerto Rican uh, uh, Army Infantry, uh, will come out in November. And that's uh, another great uh, snapshot of uh, American history um, that, you know, for, for folks of color uh, is, you know, it's, it's, it's a lot of bravery and betrayal all in, in one. And it's, uh, it's a great story. Well, you whispered to her tonight that this was not painful. <laughs> it was not. It was enjoyable. I can probably go another hour. <laughs> and you tell her, come and sit in the chair. We'll have a lovely conversation about her book. Will do. Thank you, Babs. Thank you, Paul Nunez. It is such a pleasure to see you. Yes, ma'am. Say hi Thank to everybody you. at the firm. I'll see you soon. Will do. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. All right. Have a good day. All right, Harry Droz. It's time for us to go. I had a wonderful conversation with Paul Nunez of DNB LLC, uh, the uh, the minority, a woman and Latino owned firm. Can you believe that? here in Connecticut. So uh, I look forward to seeing y'all tomorrow. My guests will be, uh, oh, this has been a good talking week, let me tell you. Um, um, But I'll be back tomorrow. So y'all have a lovely day and I will see y'all soon. Thanks, Harry. Play us out. Oh,